listen, I need to repent. I'm not going to change my mind, but I need to apologize because the, the, the door says no food or drink beyond this point. And uh, I had just gotten a, favored with a Vente Starbucks when I only bought a Grande. So I wasn't going to let it all get watered down. So, Pastor, I, I ask you to forgive me. And I'll take the consequences and the repercussions uh, later. (laughs) It is awesome to be with you again today. How many of you, this is the first time that we've had the the privilege of seeing and knowing each other? Can I see hands? I just want to see. Yeah? Man, that's amazing. Praise the Lord. How many of you know God's doing something good here? Wasn't worship awesome this morning? Amen. I, uh, I want to just honor the leadership here and, uh, and everybody that's involved that's making this happen. This is a, an amazing church. I didn't know your pastor from the smallest origins of where he started, but I knew him in the other building. And then to come here and, and move forward and, and and I want to just pause and do a side note here um, because uh, they're precious to me. Back, uh, can't tell you the whole story, but I launched this ministry as it is uh, back in November of 2010. And there are people that are very special to me because, how I many of you know when you're starting out, even though I wasn't starting out, I had pastored and and, but as it is the way it is now, I launched the safe place back in November of 2010. And so that whole first year, I was praying with fear and trepidation that somebody would have me in. Because <laughs> uh, I had stepped out of a good income, cashed out my 401k, uh, believing in this, what God was calling me to now. And um, I know you know this, but you have very precious people underneath your leader here. And uh, if you don't know that, then you will. Um, And I just want to honor Kevin and his wife um, because uh, while Bishop Jamie pretty much did the same thing to them that he did to Jared, uh, they could have said no. They could have said, not interested, and when I was just starting out, they, they let me in. Although it was a hellish drive from, Aust- from Dallas the whole way to Spur, um, no, it wasn't. It was cool because you could go like as fast as your car would go, and nobody's going to pull you over, so that was awesome. But I just want to honor them because like, they were there at the beginning of what Everybody is knowing now and what it's becoming, and I am forever grateful. Um, love you guys tremendously, believing with you for everything in your lives, and, um, and I just want to highlight that. Uh, I'm going to come down here for a couple minutes. We don't have to record this, um, but there's some things that just kind of blew up in my heart as we were leading, as the worship was going on. And I just want to give you a couple of things, and then I want to say a couple of things, and then I'll get into my message. And I'm worth waiting on, so just hang in there if this doesn't particularly pertain to you, okay? 
you're going to see a switch go, and then I shift into a whole nother person. Um, this kind of stuff, it's kind of choppy, but, but I'll get there. Uh, so the first thing I want to just say to you is, when you look at the name of your church, God does things with me. It's just the way it works with words and plays on words. And I just want you to know that as you're growing and going, and I'm sure everybody's not here, but this place is generally full. And if everybody was here, this would be full. And it is full because you're a family and, and you're bringing people in and there's people by faith that aren't here yet that are coming into the next phase and the next season of your life. And I'm saying that because you're getting ready to transition into a next season and a next phase. And let me tell you just how God broke that down for me and add into it prophetically other words and things that, that you have. If you notice, you have this word exchange, right? And I looked that up in, in, on my phone because, praise the Lord, we, can, we have libraries now on our phones. And, and um, let me get back to where that is. Again, I'm worth waiting on, so hang on there. Exchange is simply the act of giving one thing and receiving another. What you call a thing is what it becomes. Some of you need to catch that because you've been called things that God never called you. And you bought into it. You were called unworthy. You were called ugly. You were called valueless. And you agreed with it when you were little and you're still struggling with it. So what you call a thing is what it becomes. So you have to be careful what you call people and what you call your kids and what you call your spouse because what you, I'm not just talking guys to their wives, I'm talking wives to your husbands because what you call a thing is what it becomes. And how many of you know if I'm not supposed to be called worthless and valueless and horrible and ugly and all that stuff, but I believe it, I'll become it and it's called a retardation. I know that word's not politically correct, but I'm not using it to be negative. The reality is, is you become something that God never intended you to be. And so the whole point of your church is, and even in your own lives, and you're going through this whole process right now religiously, you, you come in and you let go of something to get something else. If you're going to call yourself the exchange, then you've got to realize that for yourself and others, when you walk in here, you should be expecting to let something go that shouldn't be a part of your life so you can grab onto something that will be a part of your life. Come on, are you here? There should be an expectation of that because that's what you're calling yourself. So you need to understand that as you grow and mature, it's an ongoing process of going from glory to glory and new image to new image, not an image in the sense of, of something different in regards to Christ. But how many of you know we are on a progressive eternal journey with him to be changed into his likeness and in his image, and it's ongoing till we see him as he is. And so for most of us, that will be on the other side. So when people come in here, they're going to come in here with nothing that looks like Jesus, probably. 
Pastor and I were talking last November about what's going on right now and how he was ready right now to begin to transition a lot of things out of the religious identity into a true walk with Jesus. And how many of you know that's scary? It's scary. It's scary to lead that. It's scary to walk in that. It's scary to go, oh, the Bible isn't the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. I can't get no help here today. Some of you still chewing on that. I get that. It's an exchange. It's scary to to realize that there's no eternal conscious torment. Do we get that one yet? When I've been thinking that if I do something wrong on any given day and I die, I'm going to get snuffed out and end up in eternal conscious torment. I can't get no help here today. What? Listen, I'm, I'm speaking to where you are and where you're going, and the reality is that's in every way of your life. Growing up is not an entitlement program. Growing up involves pain. Come on, you remember when you were young and you were doing something a certain way and your parents hammered that and that was painful, but you grew and you felt better and you look back and you go, oh, well. I can't get no help here. I'm trying to prophesy to a future here for you guys. Yes, there's blessing. Yes, there's all these wonderful things that God wants to do as your father. But as part of the maturing, it you, you become responsible. You become responsible to what you actually believe, not what you're told. You become responsible to how you live, not what's given to you. You, you become responsible. Maturity is responsibility. Come on, are you here? And that involves an exchange. A transition from where I've been to where I need to be. It's, I, I can't get this if I don't let go of that. So when you say, we're the exchange church, and people go, what does that mean? It means you're going to get something that you don't have right now. It means you're going to come in, and you're going to let go of stuff that's hindering you, that never you never knew was constricting you in your life. But here's the great thing. You don't just let go of it. You don't just come out of the wilderness. You go into the promised land right away, because the promised land is already here. Come on, are you here? So it's an exchange. Now watch this. Here's the interesting thing as I was looking at that in worship. Are we good? Are we all right? I'm going to get to my message, but. Listen to this. A change. A change is to make or become different. If you want to come to church and stay the way you are, you're going to get frustrated here. Why? Because the title doesn't allow it. It doesn't say the first church of let's sing Kumbaya and stay the way that we are. You're going to have to change your expectation. This isn't just a bless me club. This isn't just a consumer organization. If you haven't noticed, your leadership doesn't let the grass grow under their feet. I'm trying to help somebody here to change your expectations so you'll actually be at peace being here. 
some of your frustration, uh, a couple of you, if I can say it this way, is, is your expectations of what this should be doesn't line up with what's actually going on. I have news for you. You need to change. We okay? I'm smiling. I'm one of the anchors, so I'm allowed to do this. Just so you know. Some of this stuff, the reality of what I'm trying to get you to see is this. A, ch- a change, let me read it again. Because here, here I'm, I'm going to do this, and then I'll get to my message, I promise. Change, make or become different. Now watch this. Change, make or become different. Exchange, who's the ex? Jesus. He's the Christos. He's the anointed one that sits in this house to make the change. Listen, there's no expectation on you to have to try and figure out and initiate the change. All he wants you to do is respond to what he's trying to do differently in you. And the E represents an eternal Christ who changes your life. Come on, it's from eternity to eternity. He walks into our time and space. In the sessions I did with people, the 15 of them and the two I do today, when we sit down, eternity walks into your time and space in your head and changes what you've been, changes how you think now so you can move forward being changed into that image of what he just put in your mind. Are you here? Every one of your leaders works, as far as I know has jobs, has tried to do businesses. This is what you're following. It's an exchange. They're attacking a poverty, entitlement, consumer mentality that runs all over our world, which doesn't mean that blessing doesn't just come. I'm a dad. Sometimes I give my kids money, and they say, what's this for? And I say, because I just want to bless you. Oh, thanks. Then there's other times I got chore charts, and they do work, and I give them a commission. I don't give them an allowance because nothing's allowed in this world. I give them a commission. Where in the world are they going to get an allowance when they get out of your house? Call it what it is. You're getting paid to do something. It's a commission. Sometimes the commission is less, and my kids go, why is this? I said, because it wasn't done right. (laughs) Well, I don't like that. Well, change how you're doing it. Exchange. And then there's other times I say, hey, clear the table, and it's not on the chore chart. And they come to me and go, so what am I getting paid for this? Nothing. You're part of this family. You just do stuff because that's the way we work. Come on, are you here? So there's a balance in that. I don't even know why I got on that. But the reality is, is there are times where God's going to bless you. So when, when, when you're asking God to work a miracle, miracles happen. Boom. Money shows up. People show up. Support shows up. But then there's other times where he gets in it with you. And he says, if you'll do this, I'll do that. I'm going to walk with you in it. So get to work. Come on. Are you here? And then there's other times he just touches our hearts to be a blessing to others, and there's nothing coming back. He gave, so we give. Come on, are you here? 
this is part of the heart of your church. This is part of what you've walked into. This is part of the exchange that's going on. Listen, if you come in and out of here and the world cannot see anything different in you, you've got to check in you what is being exchanged. Does that make sense? There ought to come a place in our lives, all of us, where people look at us and go, what's different about you? Like I walked in here today and people were like, oh, wow, you lost weight. Yes, I have. Praise the Lord. I can actually see my toes again. It's an amazing thing. 32 pounds. I'm going for 50 by the time I turn 50 in December. Hey, you know how you know when you're fat? I'm going to tell you. You know you're fat when you lose 20 pounds and you say to one of your friends, hey, I've lost 20 pounds, and they go, really? That's when you know you are fat. Can't get no help there. All right, so anyway, I'll just tell on me. Hallelujah. So listen, can you receive that, that you are walking in an exchange lifestyle? That you're transferring one thing for another, that Jesus, the Christos, the eternal one, is trying to do things so that you're different, that you act different, you walk different, you talk different. And that should be an expectation that you have in your life on a regular basis. Not self-evaluating, because that'll kill you. But just as you walk this freedom walk, that as he talks to you in a worship service or by yourself, if he's coming with his knife to circumcise your soul or change who you are, you just lay on, you just lay down and go, all right, God, let's change it. Now's the time. And pastor, I just want to say this to you. Didn't have any of this before I walked in, but there is. So there's two things that the Lord showed me. One, he said, he showed me that, do you know what deadpan is when people farm? Deadpan is this hard under crust that when you've plowed the fields and plowed the fields, there's this this level that gets real hard underneath. And so a, 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 a deeper plow, a longer plow has to go in on occasion and has to get under that dead pan and, and plow that up. And the Lord wants you to know that your dead pan plowing days are over. I see him taking a harness off of you and there's a change coming. It's not going to be as it was. It's not going to be this deep plowing of all this hard stuff over and over and over. And when I say over and over, you're not retreading. What I see is is that you, for these years, have dug this plow deep, and you've got broad shoulders, and you've got a mind like flint, and you've been plowing and tearing it up, and people have come, and things have been exciting, but you felt like there's been setbacks at times, and, and what are we doing, and why is this going on, and it felt like it was almost cyclical, but the picture I got this morning was it wasn't cyclical. You are, you are plowing, you and your leadership are plowing a huge swath 
to get underneath where there's fresh soil and things can be cultivated and grow. And what I saw as he was showing me this is, as you've been plowing, what you haven't realized altogether is he's already been behind you planting. You haven't even been planting. You've been plowing. I saw it so clearly. You've got this harness and you're and it's pulling up. And, and, and in that, you haven't had time to turn around and plant. And he just wants you to know that's okay, son. I've been planting. I've been doing things behind you you haven't seen yet. And some of it's getting ready to manifest. And he's changing the season. And, he's, and I see him taking this yoke off of you. And he's putting a new yoke on. And there's going to be an adjustment. You're going to start to see fruit like you haven't seen. I don't know what all that means. I don't know what areas, but it's going to become easier. And in the process, he says, I've, I've, I've set you to this. And he said, what, you realize, what you're going to realize when I take this harness off of you is how different you've become. You know there's things that are becoming different, but he said, as I adjust this and you have time to breathe, he said, I'm going to show you who you've become, and I hear him saying, I'm well pleased. And the second thing I hear him saying is, get ready. Get ready for an elevation. Not necessarily for people here. That's all working. But I hear him saying, I'm going to begin to bring you sons and daughters I'm getting ready to bring you sons and daughters, and I see them in places. It's not like it's going to be a heavy thing. What you have to offer them is just going to simply come out of the flow of your life and what's already grown in you, the fruit. It's not by the hands. It's by the relationship. It's not by productivity. It's by fruitfulness. And he doesn't want you to be bothered by that. It's actually going to bring a dimension of joy into your life. I hear him saying, you had a footprint in this years ago. I gave you a taste of this. And he said, I'm bringing it full circle now because you're different and you're going to handle it different. You're going to handle them different. And I don't know what any of that means. I just, I'm telling you what I see in here. And he said, I'm going to bring that full circle again. And that is going to create a joy in you because there's something in you that has desired that and has tasted that, and, and, and it's that thing that when we, uh, when we have that in it, it's like me. If I don't pray with people, I get cranky and cantankerous. I mean, if I don't get to function in what I've been put on this earth to be, then, then there's part of me not fulfilled, and he said, I'm bringing it full circle because he said, you're ready for it in ways you could have never dreamed before. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. And Kevin, I just hear the Lord saying that there is a promotion. And I don't know what that means. I just hear him saying, tell my son to be encouraged that there's a promotion coming. And the promotion is with dividends and benefits. You've been told here. I hear him saying you've been told about promotions and you've gotten excited, but it's kind of been like a lateral thing. And there's been no there's been no spoils. There's been no benefits from it. I don't know what all this is, but I do hear him saying this promotion will have spoils and benefits and you can get excited about this. And I see him pleased. I see him uh, smiling. And then Lisa, uh, I, I, once I saw that you were on, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's Lisa. 
I just hear him saying, you, you are getting ready to walk in an uncommon favor that you walked in one other time, but it's going to be that on steroids. Things are going to happen and move in and around you that you go, this is crazy. Like, I, I, I'm not motivating this. I'm not creating this. It, it's almost like, uh, I don't have the words, but it'd be almost like if doors open, just it's just... It's ridiculous. And here's the thing. He's doing this because not just to bless your life and bless your family, but he's doing this so that you can be the witness that people need around. They're not going to they're not going to get upset with you. They're going to come to you and they're going to say, how is this happening in your life? And it's going to be a testimony that you're going to be able to say, let me tell you about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anybody in here, I did this at one other church in Pennsylvania, and I felt God prompting me to do it, and then I'm going to preach. I'm worth waiting on, okay? Anybody in here that needs God to shift something financially? Now, let me tell you, when I pray this, I did this at one other church, and then I didn't hear from them for like eight months. I called them, and they just blew my, it was like 30 minutes of people got jobs, and, 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 and things were given, and, and I'm like, why didn't you tell me this before? Like, could you have called me before I called you? Like, this is something, you know, and, but here's the thing. Let me tell you something. When I pray this, if, 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 if you're in this mode, you have to be ready not to just have something dropped on you. You have to be ready to be willing to step into something that may stretch you, may cause pain initially, may cause your mind to have to, may have to, may have to go get some training. How many of you know opportunities involve some stretching and growing sometimes? Somebody once said, luck is where opportunity and hard work come together. We all want this opportunity, but we sit eating bonbons watching Homer Simpson waiting for it to happen, and then when it comes, we're not ready for it. Come on, are you here? I, can I say that? Is that? So any, and I'm, I'm going to believe for miracles. I'm going to believe for things to just come, but I'm also believing for opportunities. And if you raise your hand, you may need to do some adjusting. But I felt this really strong. If you're in a position where you need a breakthrough, you need something in your life, it involves finances or something that you need money for to buy, or you need, a, you need a new opportunity with a job or whatever, I just want you to raise your hand right now because I'm, I just know when this hit me last time and it hit me when I walked in. So whatever that is, your hand up, you're just holding it up as a sign to the Lord. Father, right now, I just declare and I decree an open heaven that touches this earth right here. I declare finances to come. I declare jobs to come. I declare an adjustment. And as the name says, an exchange. I declare supernatural finances to come into people's lives where it's needed, not just to benefit them, but to prove who you are in their lives. I declare support to come to those that need support. If there's a car that needs given, Father, bring that car in. Bring it in at a supernatural discount. Father, take our little that we have and make it a lot. Father, uh, Lord, in situations where, as the prophet said, bring as many vessels as you have. I'm going to fill them. 
and, 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 and in every situation where there is something in someone's hand, help them to be aware of that. I declare a blessing over this house. I declare finances. I declare, Father, I stand against poverty right now and lack and want, and I break that assignment in people's lives. I break it off of their minds right now. And, Father, I lose life. I lose freedom. I lose prosperity. I lose a giving, generous heart into the hearts and lives of people here. Father, those things that have been held up in the heavens, not from us, but for us, for such a time as this, I release your angels on assignment in each one of these people's lives whose hands are up. I release your angels on assignment to go get those things and bring them from the supernatural into the natural now. And I declare it, and I decree it, and I break the curse off of every person's life. And Father, if there's a mindset that needs to shift, Lord, I ask that you would speak to them in the midst of this service today so that they can walk in the truth of who they are and what you've called them to. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, let's get on to the message. Are we good? Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. How many of you know if your pastor and your leadership get blessed, it flows down? So anytime somebody come in and prophesy to your leadership, you ought to be excited, especially if it's good stuff. That other stuff, eh, but the good stuff. Amen. Turn with me on your tech device or if you still carry a Bible. We're going to be in John 21. We're going to be in John 21. If you take notes or you're that personality type that needs things lined out, if I was going to put a a title to this, it would be simply just saying remembering who you are. Remembering who you are. I believe I have a message of hope and life and and just reminding for some of you today. How many of you know somebody is significant to God's heart when he devotes a whole chapter to them? And as we get into this and I remind you of, of what's going on here, I recognize that if you've been in church a long time, some of what I'm going to say, you're going to just know. And you're going, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I'd ask you not to get into that mode. Because God tends to give me a lens on things that's a little different than the way you may have heard it before. And I don't want you to tune out. I want you to tune in. So let me just say this. Restoration. Restoration is the act of re of returning someone to a former condition. Restoration is the action of returning someone to a former condition. And so when we open up in John 21, 
Jesus has already appeared to all of his disciples two times. I don't know if you realize this, but when Jesus came out of the grave, depending on who you read, uh, he hung out for anywhere from 37 to 45 days on the earth. Letting people know who he was, continuing to minister, making sure that people understood things. And so when it says in Acts that he ascended, there was this period that he was hanging out on the earth. And so when we get to John 21, the writer of John's gospel says Jesus had already appeared to these guys two other times. So we're on the third one. And Jesus has to remind one guy in particular of who he is. Because one guy in his ministry in particular had an identity crisis. And so as I present this today, my thought is not that you have to be reminded of every one of the things I'm going to present to you today. But my thought is to encourage you in areas where each one of these points is relevant to you in this picture that we're going to have of Peter. Now you have to keep in mind when Jesus first called Peter, he was preaching and the crowds got so big that he looked at this guy and he said, hey, can, can I jump in your boat and can you, can, you, can you cart me out in the water because I'm getting pressed here and I still need to talk. So that's where we meet Peter initially. Peter's in an identity crisis now. He's journeyed with Jesus. He's hung with Jesus. He's part of the inner core. You got the 12, the 3, and the 1. He's part of that 3. He's so important that the Catholics claim they have his bones, and because they have his bones, they are the church. Sorry for the rest of y'all. He's so important that he's part of the three layers at the bottom, Peter, James, and John. Pretty important to God's mission and God's purpose, wouldn't you say? And we know that he denied Jesus three times. And we've heard the message of Jesus asking him, do you love me three times? And the initial thought is, well, you know, he denied him three times, so he had to ask him three times. Okay, that's fine, but, 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 there's, but we're missing some things. Jesus has already secured everybody else's world except Peter. And let me tell you how big a leader Peter is. Because in the beginning of this, it opens up that these disciples and apostles are there, and Peter pipes up and he says, hey, I'm going fishing, and they all went, hey, we'll go too, exclamation point. That doesn't seem uncommon, except the reality is Jesus wasn't calling them to fish anymore for fish. See, when we have an identity crisis, when we forget who we are, we go back to what was common. We go back to what was familiar. When we get stressed out, we go to the things that used to comfort us, like 
a bag of Reese's peanut butter cups and a quart of whole milk. And then a coma for three hours. I'm telling on myself here. But what I'm basically saying and what I want you to see is, is this sets up for this chapter. Peter looks at these guys and says, hey, you know what? I'm going fishing for fish. And they all go, I'm going too. That was the leader he was. How many of you have been in a room with people and you just know who the leader is? And even if you don't want to go to that restaurant, everybody else is going, so you go because... That's where the leader's going. This is Peter. You need to see this. He's seen Jesus twice. He's still in his identity crisis because God called them to be fishers of men, and he's fishing for fish. So God cares enough about Peter to show up another time. God cares enough about you to show up in your life as many times as you need it till he can remind you of who you are, not where you are right now. And so they go out and they fish all night. They catch nothing. These guys are fishermen. They're hungry. They're grumpy. Dawn's breaking. The light's coming up. And right from the beginning... In Jesus' first statements to them, we see where he's coming from. He says, children, boys, have you caught anything? He doesn't say, hey, you bunch of knuckleheads. He doesn't say, hey, men. He starts with an endearing word because he's bringing the heart of the father. He says, my family my sons, my kids. How are we doing? Have you caught anything? No. No. Who is this idiot on the bank? Throw your net on the right side of the boat. As if to say you're on the wrong side of the boat, throw it on the right side and see what happens when you're doing it correctly. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Because they haven't caught it yet. So they do, and the nets get full. And one of them says, it's the Lord. Now listen, why did he do that? Why did he set them up this way? It was particularly for Peter, because he's reminding Peter of something he did in his life earlier. See, when you get in these identity crisis moments... God will start reminding you of the places that he met you, of the things that he did. He's going to woo you back to him because the first thing he wants to remind you of is not what he called you to do. He wants to remind you of whose you are and that he called you to be with him. How do you know that? Because when he's in this boat preaching, And he first met Peter and Andrew, his brother. He says to him, hey, throw your net on the other side. And Peter, in his mind, is going, dude, you're a carpenter. You're a good speaker. I'm a fisherman. But because he recognized him as a rabbi, as a leader with authority, he 
sucked his thoughts in, and he said, according to your word, I'll do this, Rabbi, master teacher. And when he did, he pulled up, and his nets were full and breaking. So he's taking Peter back to this moment when he met him, and he didn't call him to do things. He said, Peter, come be with me. Listen, It doesn't matter how far you've drifted. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what mess you've made. Jesus is not walking away from you. He's right there with you, wooing you, speaking kindly to you, and reminding you that he's called you to walk with him. So if you can get out from under your shame, if you can get out from under your guilt. See, Peter had a shame problem at this point. The Bible says that when he denied Jesus, and and in Luke's gospel, it says on the third time, they were with an eye shot of each other, that when he denied him the third time, Jesus actually looked him in his eyes, and it says he went and wept bitterly. Peter is still under the hiding of guilt and shame that he was in, and I'm here to tell you today, the first thing that God does in your life is he keeps wooing you, he keeps reminding you that it doesn't matter what message you've made. It doesn't matter what mess somebody else made in your life. He is not leaving you. He's always there. He can't not be there. He's calling you to himself. Does that make sense? And so somebody says in the midst of that, they remember, and they go, it's the Lord. Now watch this. Peter gets it, but keep in mind, Peter's still guarding himself. How do we know this? That's a great question. You guys ask great questions. Because it says that Peter was in his skivvies. And it says he took his fisherman's cloak that identified him as a master fisherman. He took this outer garment, put it on, and jumped in the water. Who does that? Have you ever seen a show where somebody's drowning and they go, Hey, bring me the heaviest jacket I can wear. I'm going to go save this guy. Why did he do that? Because he was guarding himself. He was protecting himself with an old identity because he was still stuck in his guilt and shame. I mean, come on, think about it. Why would you put something constricting on you to jump in the water if you were truly excited to meet and know that Jesus was there? Does that make sense? So even as he's walking this out, we're still seeing that he's covering himself. Listen, that's what we do. We put on old identities. Adam and Eve, when, when they fell, it wasn't so much the original sin. We've been taught that in theology. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that. What the scripture actually says there is, it's not it, it, it didn't say original sin, it said original shame. It's where shame first entered the human race. And whenever we feel shame, whenever we feel guilt, we go hide. 
It said they hid themselves among the trees and covered themselves with fig leaves. Listen, God didn't ask them to be trees. He asked them to be in his image. Come on, are you here? So he's calling you back to himself here. And then when Peter gets up on the gets up on the land, it says he looks and there's coals, fish and bread. Fish on the coals and bread. Why is there coals? Why why are we focusing on coals? Well, interestingly enough, in one of the denials, particularly in Luke's gospel, it says in the first denial, he was warming himself by the coals on the fire. Same word. So God is showing us that there's a restoration process that he's connecting here, that he's getting ready to change Peter. Peter's so important to him, but I just need you to know that you're so important to him. You realize that, right? Doesn't matter what. Listen, even if you made a mess, God doesn't, God doesn't watch you take and get the broom out and the dustpan and does this. Says, okay, I'll hang out with you once you get it all cleaned up. Listen, I got three kids. One of my kids, I don't want them cleaning the mess. Can't get help here. I don't want that one cleaning the mess because I get a bigger mess. So when you're doing things at 2 or 3 in the morning on the internet that you shouldn't be doing and you know you shouldn't be doing, God doesn't jump out of your body and go, oh my goodness. Oh, let me know when you're done. He's right there. His position to you doesn't change. Some of the mess that's happened in your life, it's not your fault. Some of it is. It doesn't matter. He gets right down there in it with you to walk you out of the mess and help you clean it up. He doesn't expect you to do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. He expects you to just let him clean you up, wash you off, fix this thing, walk in, in, the, in the process of it so you can see his hand in it. So coals here represent a purging in Peter's life. When it says that Jesus and God is an all-consuming fire, it's not an all-consuming fire of you because of your mess. It's an all-consuming fire of your mess. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got bound up and thrown in the fiery furnace, they didn't burn up. They didn't smell like smoke. They were in a mess that they hadn't created themselves. But they were in a mess, and that mess bound them up. That mess threw them in the fire. And and the Bible says that the king looked, and he said he watched those bindings burn off of them. He watched them walk out with no smoke on them. And it says there was one that looked like the son of a god that was the fourth man in the fire and when they walked out he wanted to know what was going on in their lives listen God is in the fire with you he's not trying to consume you he's trying to consume your faulty thinking that causes you to do your mess he's trying to consume the actions of what happened so there's no remembrance of it he wants you to walk around with no smoke on your garments no singe on your body he wants you to look like him 
That's good preaching. I don't care who you are. So let me tell you the process. The process is like a metalsmith. Turn to your neighbor and say, hello, titanium. Hello, platinum. Gold, silver. We'll stop there. Rather not be called copper. Although it's got a good price, but. Listen, in the Old Testament, let me help somebody here. In the Old Testament, they would take the precious metal and they would heat it and it would become a puddle. It's not a bad thing when you feel out of control and you turn into a puddle. I can't get no help here. You think it's a bad thing when all this stuff happens, when all this pressure comes and everything leaves you feeling out of control. God looks at it and goes, oh boy, we're going to have some fun now. Why? Because if you can begin to adjust your lens that when you go through the hard times, when you go through the suffering, God is wanting to turn you into a puddle so that the yuck in your life can come forward. Listen, my generation has one foot in two hours of dinner being prepared and 30 minutes with the microwave. It was crazy. My dad brought this box into our lives. And it made a sound, and it dinged, and all of a sudden food came out. Now they've got these little microwavable cups that take two minutes, and my kids get frustrated that it takes so long to get their mac and cheese. They're like, Daddy, why is my iPad not working in half a second? You should have been in dial-up, kid. Try again. And that's how we think God does with us. Listen, God's process is not relegated to your technology. I came from a movement where everybody came down front at the end of every service. It was like a microwave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah. Oh, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for changing my life. Ooh. Hey, ha. Huh. Mm, ding. Hey, I'm done. And then I'd go out, drive down the road, somebody cut in front of me, and I'd speak in tongues. I didn't need the interpretation, and they didn't want the interpretation. Is that too real for you? So what happened? Listen, don't confuse having a moment with Jesus as his process to change your life. If it were that easy, then every time we were intimate with our spouses, we'd be more mature. Come on, are you here? Think about this. God loves being with us. He loves embracing us. He loves experiencing with us. 
and, and, and sometimes that changes things, but a lot of times it doesn't. Why? Because the process that he takes us through to actually change us is heating us up into a puddle so that this yuck can come out of you. Listen, if you start cussing in a pressure situation and you don't normally cuss, don't try and hide that. Embrace the fact that it's happening and ask God how he can scrape that off of you so the next time you get in that pressure situation, you won't cuss so much. Don't try and hide it and act like it's not there because that's not the image of what you think you should be. Embrace what's going on negatively in your life and take it to him and go, why is this happening? Come on, are you here? Adjust the expectations. Don't have a form of godliness that denies the power. Actually get into the power so that you can actually look like Jesus. And he's going to take you from glory to glory and place to place and pressure cooker to pressure cooker. And here's the thing. He is faithful even when we're not. He's still blessing us even when we're not. We don't feel like we're blessable. Come on, are you here? His door is wide open even when we feel like it's closed. So the second thing he had to do was remind Peter that not only he called him to be with him, he reminded Peter that I'm going to take care of you because there were loaves and fish. And where was the last time Peter would have remembered loaves and fish? At one of the greatest miracles that was ever done. Where he fed 15,000, 20,000 people on a hillside with a couple of fish and a couple of loaves. See, he's reminding Peter that he don't have to go out and be a fisher of fish and catch nothing. He's reminding him that if he'll line himself back up, he's going to take care of him. Peter's got to work, but he's going to take care of him. See, when we have an identity crisis, we think then we have to be the center of it, and we got to make it happen, and we got to do this. And maybe we'll get through it. Maybe we won't. But the energy that we're going to burn in between when we could have just turned to Jesus who had loaves and fishes ready for him. And it says that they were there. They were cooking. And then he said, bring the ones that you just worked on, too. So he partners with us. He takes care of us, but that's not, the, that's not what he's doing here. He's saying, I'll take care of you when there's a deficit, when there's things that are short, but I want you to be responsible and bring some of those fish. We're going to eat them too. Come on, are you here? And he's reminding you today, he's going to take care of you until you can feel confident in him again, and then he's going to walk with you. In the midst of where you're going. And so he journeys with Peter. And the last thing. And we've heard this one over and over. But hopefully I can remind you of some things or bring it in the new lens. And let me just say this. Your words are incredibly powerful. God created with words. So do you. Why was Peter and his denial different than the rest of the guys? Because he put words to his denial. The other ones just took off. 
They just hid. They got scared. No words. No questions. Peter established something in the earth with his words that had to be unestablished or undone. How does this relate to you? That's a great question. Because there is this danger in your life that when you go through hard things, even as a child, your heart purposes a vow. And when you vow a vow, even as a child, it doesn't undo itself until you verbally undo it. That's why some people who are molested or abused sexually as children, they make vows in their hearts. Nobody's going to do this to me again. I'm never going to get hurt like this again. And then when they get married and they're in that relationship of intimacy with their spouse, they literally feel a wall or a block that they can't get through, even if they want to, because they took their lives into their own hands in a survival moment, and they protected themselves. It can be in a divorce. It can be at any traumatic point in time where your heart feels like it needs to protect itself because no one else is. Does that make sense? So these vows are very real. And whether you speak them out or you say them inwardly and in your heart, when you say them and you agree with them, it becomes law in your life. And that's what happened with Peter. He established a denial and a separation. And so here's what I believe. I believe their bellies got full. And I'm, I'm a dad. And I've realized in being a dad that my kids don't like to be put on the spot in front of their, fr their friends and definitely in front of their brothers and sisters. It's embarrassing. And I believe Jesus was bringing the father heart to Peter that day. So I don't believe he did what, he, what we're getting ready to walk through in front of the other guys. I believe this was very personal. I believe it was very intimate. And I believe he told the guys, hey, listen, I need to have a talk with Peter. So could you tend to the boats, check the nets, do what you got to do? Peter and I, we're going to have a discussion and so Jesus looks at Peter, and it's familiar, but I want to go through it because I want to make sure we don't miss something here. And Jesus says this to Peter, do you love me? Now, unfortunately... Our English language has one word for four Greek words that represent love. So let me read you what, it, what Jesus actually said. Jesus actually said, Peter, do you love me? Meaning, do you love me with reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion as one loves a father? That's different. Think about that. Do you love me with reasoning, intentional focus, and devotion as one loves a dad? And Peter, again, keep in mind, Peter 
is in his denial. He's in his hiding. He's in this hardness of heart because he's still dealing with his shame. He turns to Jesus and he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But this is what he was saying. Yes, you know that I have a deep, instinctive, personal affection for you as a friend. Way different, right? Jesus is saying, are we family? And Peter is protecting himself going, you're my BFF. Yay, God, we're good, right? Can I go help the guys now? And Jesus turns to Peter again. And he says, Peter, do you love me with a reasoned, thought out, deep, devotional love as one loves a dad? Now, what's going on here? What's going on here is that you need to keep in mind, Jesus is love. I know you know that, but what I'm saying is he is exuding. It's not just words. The very presence of who he is is rolling all over Peter's protective mechanisms, his guards, his fisherman's jacket that's identifying him as a master fisher of fish. What you can't see in the translation here is Jesus is going after all these guards, all these things. He's met with them three times now. He's not letting Peter get out. Peter's now dancing around in his chair. He's fidgeting. He's not looking at Jesus anymore. He's looking everywhere. Jesus is getting after him because he cares that much about him. How many of you have known people, probably not yourself, that you keep trying to help them, you keep trying to say something to them, and they're not getting it? This particularly happens with spouses, and we're trying to tell our spouse something, and then we go listen to a message, or we go to this person, and all of a sudden they say it, and they come back and go, you never guess what just registered in my brain. That's nice, honey. I've been telling you that for, I like that. This is where Peter and Jesus are. And so Jesus looks at Peter a second time, breaking through his, his exterior and the boundaries that he set up. Do you, Peter, look me in the eyes. Hear my heart. I love you like a father. I've been with you in all of this. Do you love me with a son's heart? And I believe Peter now is getting fidgety and he's not comfortable anymore. And he ekes out this, Jesus, you know I love you like a friend. Like, we're, we're, we're good. And now watch this. This is how we know Jesus broke through. Because Jesus now changes it. He now meets Peter where he is. And he says, do you love me? With an instinctive connection. As a friend. Do you really love me? As a friend. And this is how we know it changed. Because in the line that comes next, it says. Peter was grieved in his heart 
that same grief shows up in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, where it says godly grief leads us to a changed mind. Jesus had finally broken through, and he could see it in Peter. He was letting go of his shame. He was letting go of his guilt. And because Peter couldn't meet him as a son right now, Jesus could now say to him, Peter, I'm going to meet you as a friend. Can you at least meet me here? And Peter said, Jesus, you know all things. And the grief was coming out of him now. And the true change of mind was coming out of him. He says, you know all things. You know I'm your boy. You know I got your back. You know I'm your friend. And see, folks, that's what Jesus does for us. He overwhelms us with who he is and where he's coming from so that he can break all our defense mechanisms down. And then when he sees that there is a contriteness about us and a true heart to change, and he's wiped out all that guilt and all that shame, then he meets us right where we are. He takes us by the hand and he says, that's good enough for me. Now let's walk together again. And I really believe that's where some of you are. In certain areas of your heart, you have to come clean with yourself. You have to forgive yourself. Jesus isn't lording guilt and shame over Peter, so you don't need to in your own life. It doesn't matter to him what mess you made or what mess was made of you or to you. What matters to him is, is that you accept his love so that he can meet you right where you are and he can change things. Does that make sense? Could I have somebody come? Because I want to transition this. And I want us to pray about some things. And then we'll go. So would you bow your heads with me? The first thing I just want to ask is, If there's somebody here that would honestly say, I have never experienced the love of Jesus. I kind of felt like Pastor Kevin did when he was talking about, I thought God was angry with me. I thought God was upset with me. And you've never really been awakened to this God of love this Jesus that will go to the ends of the earth to grab your heart and win it. Or you're someone that says, man, I just need a redo. I just so want God to sit with me like Peter. I need inside to feel or hear or see him saying to me, love you with an everlasting love if you're either of those people right now would you just raise your hand we're going to pray a couple of different things yeah you can put them down anybody else yep you can put it down 
We've got about three different things we're going to pray here, and then we'll be done. So those people that raised your hands, we're all going to pray this together. But those that raised your hands, I want you to just, I want us to just pray this together. I want you to just say this with me all over this place. Let's just say it together. Jesus, I release my mess and my stress, my life, and all the heaviness. I forgive myself for the things that I'm blaming, regretting, resenting, and beating myself up about. And I release the guilt, and I release the shame, and all the weight of it, and I let it go. I ask you, Jesus, to awaken me to your presence right now fresh and new change me and rearrange me restore me like you restored Peter I give you complete access to my heart and my life thank you for meeting me where I am in Jesus name pray a few more things and then we'll be done. Father, in each one of your sons and daughters' lives here, if there's one person they need to forgive today, one person, including themselves or you, would you just show them that right now? Just bring that person's face or name to mind. Father, another way of saying it is, is if somebody from their life walked into this room through one of these back doors and they made eye contact with them and they have anything other than calm or peace towards that person, just walk that person through the door of their mind right now. Now let's pray this together. Even if somebody didn't walk in, we're doing it as a group. Jesus, by an act of my will, I choose to forgive this person for the things that they've done, the things that they've said, the ways they've hurt my heart, and I release these things to you with all the hurt and all the pain and all the weight these things have carried in my heart and mind, and I let them go. One more thing. Jesus, right now, show each one of your sons and daughters one place of heaviness, one person or one situation that they're carrying on their shoulders and it's creating an emotional weight that's too big to carry. Bring it to mind. Bring that person to mind so that we can release it. Your word says to cast all our cares to you because you care for us. So let's pray this together, even if you didn't get something. Jesus, by an act of my will, I choose to release 
this situation, these lack of finances, the mar- my marriage, my children, I release it all to you. And I release this person and all the weight of their lives. You're God. I'm not. You be responsible for all of this. I'll do what you grace me to do while you carry the weight of this as I let it go. In Jesus' name. Now I just want you to open yourself up like you're in worship. Because we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to just bring Jesus' truth to fill those places in you that just got emptied out. Jesus, right now I ask that you would speak to each one of your sons and daughters right now. And when I say speak, some of your sons and daughters, they process by thoughts. So God, drop thoughts, drop God thoughts into their minds and into their hearts so that they can begin to dwell on those. Some of your people, they're feelers. They just feel everything. God, overwhelm them with the feeling and the sense of of who you are and what you want to minister to them. Some of your people, they get images. Father, give them an image right now of what you want to share with them. Speak to them in that image, God. And Father, some of your sons and daughters, they hear inside. They actually hear a word or a phrase or a statement. Speak into their ear right now, God. Help them to help them to hear that truth that you want to minister to them right now. I hear God saying right now, I hear him saying for somebody here, it's not over. It's not over. It's far from over. You've thought it's over. It's not over. I bring beauty for ashes. I'm the giver of life. You thought it was dead. It's not over. I'm breathing right now life. Hear me, it's not over. I hear God now saying to somebody in here, you're clean. Quit calling, quit calling yourself anything other than clean. I call you clean. I call you clean. I hear God saying, let it go. I was praying with somebody one time and it took them a second because they thought literally they had to hold on to what they did and the guilt and the shame of it to punish themselves. I hear God saying, let it go. Let it go. do one more thing in your mind and if this doesn't work with you just pray for everybody else that this is going to work for right now because every every little thing I do isn't always connected to everybody but just real quickly I want you to get an image of Jesus in your mind we're going to use your imagination that you relegated to your childhood for a second 
Whatever that looks like for you, I just want you to see Jesus in your mind. And when you have that, I want you to see yourself with him. And again, if this isn't working for you, just pray for the rest of us, okay? It's really okay. But I know somebody needs this right now. Now that you see yourself with Jesus, Jesus, what do you want your son or your daughter to know right now? What do you want to show them? What do you want them to feel? What do you want to tell them? Just begin to minister to your son or your daughter right now. What do they need from you right now? Speak to them in that place in their mind. Show them. Wrap your arms of love around them and help them, help them to be embraced and help them to feel that embrace, Lord. Cover and encourage them. Take them into that ocean of your grace. forever in Jesus' name.